Thanks, Alison, very much. Please do keep that Bible passage open uh, as we go through it for the next uh, 25 minutes, half an hour. Um, we're going to be thinking about those verses in some detail. Now, a, um, a secular writer once said, the only thing we can never get enough of is love. And the only thing we can never give enough of is love. I don't know what you make of that. Maybe you think that's just what goes into a Valentine's card or something, sickly sweet um, greeting card type stuff. But I think no one would deny that love is really important. In its broadest sense, not just between a man and a woman, but uh, the love that any person can have with another, the, the enjoyment of another person, the giving of oneself to another person, the commitment to one another. Uh, We're designed, actually, as human beings to need it and to to crave it, both to be loved and loved as we really are, not not, um, uh, uh, falsely or or as an ideal of ourselves, pretending to be something, but to to be loved as we actually are and to love to love someone else, to give ourselves to someone else, to share our delights and our successes with another. When you see something beautiful, don't you just want to share it with someone? Say to somebody, how amazing is that? It's the sort of love uh, that I'm talking about, because that's the sort of love that that runs right through uh, the passage that Al just read to us. Now, I imagine we're, we're not very surprised that Jesus talks a lot about love. If you know anything about Jesus, and you're here and you haven't read much of the Bible, probably you know that Jesus is pretty positive about love. Um, If you know anything, I imagine you know that much. But perhaps we were surprised by the way that Jesus talks about it. For one thing, love is commanded. Do you notice that? My command is this, verse 12, love. Verse 17, this is my command, love each other. Jesus commands us to love particular people. And love, loving particular people, isn't something that most people would say can be commanded or decided. The other surprise um, is the other command. Uh, There in uh, verse 9 at the beginning. uh, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Surprising thing for Jesus to command, perhaps confusing. What does it mean to remain in Jesus' love? I want to spend uh, these next few minutes getting to grips with those two ideas. And it's not just an intellectual exercise, so we can understand a little bit better what Jesus said all those years ago. We need to do this because this is the love that every human soul craves, including you and me. This is the love that each of us needs in order to have life as it's meant to be. The life uh, that Jesus offered us all um, a few chapters back in John, actually, John chapter 10. He said he came so that we could have life and have it to the full. And this is how we get it. Let's start with the command um, in verse 9. Remain in my love. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now... Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this 
so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. We want that, don't we? Joy. Jesus' joy, the type of joy that God has had since before the world began. And I've rephrased this um, command on your word sheet uh, to this. Be someone Jesus loves. Be someone Jesus loves. Now, I realise I've put that in a way that can easily be misunderstood. So listen carefully, uh, just for a moment. If you're going to switch off, don't do it now. Um, Because I do not mean that you can make Jesus love you by making yourself better, more lovable. I do not mean that you can choose whether Jesus loves you or not. You're not in control of that. Here Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he makes it clear that that isn't the way it works with them. Look at verse um, 16. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. They didn't make Jesus love them, and neither can we. So I don't mean become someone Jesus loves, but rather be someone Jesus loves. Do you know how um, John, the writer of this gospel, this Bible book, refers to himself in it? Anyone know? Sorry? The one Jesus loved, that's right. Uh, The disciple Jesus loved. John saw himself as someone Jesus loved even more than his own name. That was his identity. And I think this is why. Because when Jesus says, remain in my love, he's not really talking about staying in some sort of uh, zone in which Jesus can really love you. Uh, That's not what's going on. Um, actually, last week, um, you will have heard that remain is a bigger word than that. It can mean um, uh, live in, abide in, dwell in, dwell in my love. Make my love for you your very identity, the heart of who you are. Live as someone Jesus loves. That's who we're to be. That's what's to control us. Think about it for a minute. It's easy for me to say, Jesus loves you. I imagine you expect me, as a Bible preacher, to say, Jesus loves you. And you're right to do so. But don't let those words wash over you. Because if that statement is true, it is the most life-changing truth in the universe, isn't it? Jesus loves you. Remember the sort of love we're talking about, the the enjoyment of another person, the giving of oneself to someone else, the commitment to another. Jesus loves you like that. And he really wants his disciples to understand how massive this is. That's why he starts verse 9 by saying, As the Father has loved me, so... Have I loved you? God the Father and Jesus, God the Son, have always existed together with God the Holy Spirit. And they've loved one another perfectly from before the dawn of time. They know one another inside out. They enjoy one another in every way. They share everything. Uh, In fact, our whole universe 
came into being as an expression of this love between the Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is immensely, definitively powerful and eternal love. And Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, in that way, just the same, have I loved you. When I say Jesus loves you, don't let that wash over you. You ought to take your breath away. We all want to be loved. For someone um, to care about us deeply, to pursue our good relentlessly, to be there for us endlessly. Don't we? We all want that. In our current culture, the, the desire for love is normally focused um, solely on romantic love. Uh, fairy tales often end, they get married and then they lived happily ever after. But um, uh, that Disney sort of uh, love and happily ever after uh, hasn't always been the way. In, in classical times, it was uh, more normal for platonic friendship to be the kind of ideal of love. And the Bible has a bigger picture even than the best of either of those loves. We're designed for something bigger than either of those types of love. Because we're designed to be the objects of the love of the eternal, infinite, perfect God who designed us. For himself. And you can see that love in action, what it looks like in verse 13. In verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Remember where we are in the story. If, if um, you haven't come before, uh, while we've been going through John's Gospel, this is just before... This is Jesus speaking to his friends for the last time before he is arrested and nailed to a cross and executed. And he, those things don't just happen to him. Those things happen because he chooses them. He went on purpose to the cross so that he could bring us to heaven to be with him forever. So here's the point. Be someone Jesus loves. Not a teacher who also is a Christian. Not a mum who also serves Jesus. Not an English Christian or a Nigerian Christian or, or whatever it might be. Be someone Jesus loves and who does any of those things as well. Perhaps that sounds a bit like I'm splitting hairs. Uh, in which comes first in that sentence. But actually, it makes all the difference in the world, how we see ourselves, what's at the centre of our understanding of who we are and what's going on in our lives. What shapes, what sort of a day you're having? For me, all too often, it's um, how my work is going or how I've related to Alison or the children. And of course, those things are, are important. I'm not saying they're not. We'll come back to that later, actually. But fundamentally, the most important thing about me today and how my day is, 
is that God himself loves me with his whole being and is bringing me, dragging me, however much help I need, all the way to himself, to be with him in heaven forever. Be someone Jesus loves. Now, how can we do that? How can we change our perspective so that that is the way we think and uh, relate to ourselves and to other people? Being someone Jesus loves. Well, verse 10 and verse 14. Verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Or verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. How can we remain in Jesus' love, live and dwell in it, make it the world we inhabit? Well, Jesus says, by doing what he says. By obeying his commands. Now, that might sound surprising as well. It might sound a bit uh, servile, like we're his slaves. Now, in a sense, we are. He made us. He designed us. We belong to him. But Jesus wants to assure us it's not just that. It's not just that we belong to him. He no longer calls us servants. The word actually literally is slaves. He no longer calls us slaves, but friends. Because we're in his confidence. He's told us everything. He's revealed himself, his father. He lets us get to know him. He's shared with us what is his. So how does that fit with keeping his commands? Well, he does command stuff of us. He tells us how we can live in order to please him. There's an awful lot of that, actually, in the Bible. How we can live for him. How to live the life he's given us in the world he's made in his love. And as his words reshape our lives, as we change the things we do and say and even think, because of the stuff that he says, so our perspective on ourselves and our lives will also change. Now, um, uh, I, I'm going to play a little game here. Where's Neil? Neil, where are you? Hiding. Oh, hiding. Come on. <laughs> you can't hide. I did warn Neil beforehand. I'm going to ask Neil to put on this blindfold. Um, come over here. You might have been wondering why there's this wire here. You might be able to see it. If you're a child, you might like to come to where you can see it and see how Neil does with this. Neil, put that on. Are you blind? Even more so than normal. Okay, good. There we go. Um, now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and direct Neil through this little uh, corridor, this maze um, that is on the ground. Now, Neil might have seen it, so I'm just going to spin him around a little bit. Um, okay, so uh, hopefully you're disorientated and a little bit disoriented. Are you a bit No, 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 no. I think now, Neil, now I'm not going to touch you. Can, but I'm going to tell you how you can get through this next door. I'll do my best, okay? Um, and um, you can watch. If you can't see, feel free to come somewhere you can. Now, Neil, can you turn a little bit to your left? A little bit more? There you go. Okay, now, uh, can you walk forward, please? Short steps. Yeah, yeah, that's right, keep going. 
A bit left, turn a bit left, that's right. Yeah, now forward, forward. Very good. I'm going Keep going forward, forward. No, no, don't, no touching, please, Elliot. Stand back and just watch. He is listening to my commands. Keep going forwards. That's right. Now turn a bit left. Then the other way, other left. Um, keep going. You need to understand the commands, obviously. Keep going forwards. Now, a bit more left. Big left. Yeah, stop, stop. Now forwards. Forward. That's right. Now left. Big left. Big left. Now, Elia, I'm going to do the commanding. You've got to listen. Keep going forward now. Turn left, left. Big left. Yeah, very good. Now forwards. Oh, just about. Let's not change the maze either. Yeah, yeah, very good. Now, yeah, keep going. Forward, left, 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 left. That's right. Forward. And now, say right. Forward, left, direction. Keep going. Now, right. Freeze, very good. Oh, yeah. Forward. And round of applause. Thank you. And well done. Go and take a seat. No, no, no. Go and take a seat. Um, now, why did we play that game? It was so that um, we can see a little bit what it means to not only listen to commands and obey them, but to see how that needs to fill up our minds. You see, while Neil was blindfolded and needed to get through the maze, he couldn't be listening to other people. Uh, even Elliot was trying to help. Or, or really anyone else. He couldn't do that and also listen to me and obey what I was commanding. But also, the more he did that, the more my words influenced him, the more he was relying on me. In a sense, our relationship became more central to everything else he was thinking and doing. And if we, in our world of darkness, listen to Jesus and obey his commands in that sort of fixated, wholehearted way, then our relationship with Jesus will more and more fill our horizon and our perspective. And if we get it wrong, if we disobey or don't quite understand, yes, things will go wrong, but if we're listening, we will be brought back on track. If we stop listening, he will not be our focus. So, the point is this. If you want to remain in Jesus' love, if you want to be someone Jesus loves, then listen to him with all that you are. Obey him. Let that be your goal, your big goal, your overriding objective every single day. Why not commit each morning to doing one particular thing Jesus says to do, and listen to his voice, listen to his words, read the Bible, read a bit of the Bible, day by day. All of the Bible is Jesus' words. And then as you do that first thing in the morning, try and take one big thing that he's been saying and put it into practice in your thinking or your speaking or your acting. If you're not in the habit of doing that, uh, then um, why not give it a start tomorrow morning? We've got some Bible reading notes, I think, on the table. Um, but um, if not, come and ask me, and I'll print some off for you this week. Now, what is it we find Jesus commanding us to do if we seek to do that? Well, there's one particular command that Jesus wants us 
to uh, focus on especially uh, today. Uh, have a look back uh, at John chapter 15 and verse 12. If you close your Bibles, open them back up, page 1083, verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So more briefly than our first point, our second point is this. Love each other as Jesus has loved us. Now, as I said before, it is a surprising thing to be, I think, for us in our culture, for us to be commanded to love particular people. But love is not, as many would have us believe, outside of our control. It's not just a warm feeling, and it's not just cold action. It is everything that characterises Jesus' attitude towards us. Love each other as Jesus has loved us. What's his attitude to us? Well, everything we've just been thinking about. His desire for our good, his help in our brokenness, his sacrifice of everything for us. Jesus chose to go to the cross. An immensely painful decision, giving up so much for us. He could have stopped at any moment. He had armies of unseen angels standing by him, waiting to intervene at one word from his mouth. But he stayed silent. He endured the cross. Why? Well, he's told us. One, because he loves the Father. Remember those words spoken through tears in the garden the night before um, uh, before this happens. Not my will, but yours be done, Father. So he went to the cross because he loves his Father and because he loves us. He knew that we cannot fix our lives and the mess we make of them that we would continue to spiral down in bitter and angry rebellion against God all the way to hell unless he came and took our pain and our sin and anger and bitterness upon himself and suffered the hell that we were heading for. That is the love of Jesus Christ for us. And that is the sort of love that he commands us to have for one another. Now the one another is spoken to the disciples and for us, if we're following Jesus, if we are disciples too, it applies to other Christians, love for other Christians and primarily to the church family, uh, this um, body of Christ of which we're members, if you are. Of course, this isn't saying that we should not love those outside the church family. Of course we should. And who knows who might one day be a part of it. 
Actually, Jesus says it is by loving one another as Jesus commands that we will bear fruit which lasts. Now, the fruit which lasts is probably others coming to Christ and finding eternal life. Fruit that endures to eternal life. If we as a church are a family, then our family business, if you like, is making Jesus known to the world around us. We aren't an inward-looking holy huddle. Rather, we are a purposeful, world-transforming, bold and courageous, loving community, or at least we ought to be. If you're not a member of the church, can I say, we are so glad you're here. If you've been around uh, for a while and haven't yet uh, taken the plunge, either of following Jesus or of becoming a committed member of this church family, please I encourage you to do so. One great way to find out if you want to do that is just to watch what it's like being a member of this church family, what um, the, the relationship between the members is. Is it the love that Jesus demands? And so, church members, if you are a church member, let's love one another. When um, you think about the love that Jesus has for you, and I hope you've been doing that this morning, uh, that is the love that he has for each of his other followers as well. Maybe that's obvious, but perhaps we need to spend a moment thinking about it. Just before he dies, he looks at his disciples, so prone to doing their own thing and arguing and bickering and fighting with one another, and he says to them, love each other. With all you've got, stand together, die together, fight for one another with all your energy against the devil and sin. Take a moment to look around this room. Actually, have a look around at the other members of this church family. If you love Jesus and if you want to experience the love of Jesus more for yourself, he says, love these people. Give yourself to them, wholly. Of course, love must come at a cost. It always does, like it did to Jesus. Love cannot be a theoretical thing. In Galatians, Paul says, bear one another's burdens. You can't bear a burden without taking the weight. Loving comes at a cost. So... If it's just in words, if love is just with words, it is worth next to nothing. Love indeed, not words alone. How do we do that? Well, the same way Jesus does. Give all you've got without discriminating for the eternal well-being of your brothers and sisters. As we close, I'm just going to unpack that a little bit. Love one another with all you've got. Ask yourself today, perhaps later on, what do you spend your money on? What do you fill your diary with? What do you, if you pray, spend your time praying about? Who do you spend your time praying about? What do you do with your stuff, your house, your phone, your, well, whatever it is? For to love one another, 
Like Jesus loves us, that means loving with all we've got, giving ourselves entirely. Without discriminating, so not just the people in our church family who happen to be like me, or the people who happen to like me, or the people who I find easiest. People who are different in age and stage and background and race and gender and lifestyle and hobbies and preferences and theological background and any way you care to mention. It's a glorious thing that Jesus has brought all sorts of different people together here in Grace Church Upton. And we are to love one another without discrimination, not excluding those who are perhaps a bit different and I don't have much in common with, so I don't know where we'd start talking. Love one another with all we've got, without discriminating, for their eternal well-being. And Jesus went to the cross so that we could live forever with him. That's why he did it. And we care about one another, um, all the bits of one another, in proportion. So caring about someone's health and finances and friendships and everything here and now is right for us to do. And to care even more about their relationship with God and their eternity with him. That doesn't mean I'm asking all of you to uh, preach sermons to one another. Um, I I don't think, actually, uh, getting in with your advice to one another is normally the most helpful way to um, help help one another's eternal well-being. Normally, it takes a lot more listening and asking open questions, and genuinely trying to understand someone. We've actually just had a series, a whole series, in Joining the Dots before church, about how to care for one another, and particularly caring for one another's souls. So if you weren't there, perhaps you can get the recordings, get hold of the recordings from me, I can send them to you, and you can listen back and have a think, and ask questions and get better. Now we're not going to be able to do that in deep ways with everyone, particularly as we grow as a church family, but we can with some. And we can still provide a um, supporting role in enabling others' spiritual growth, often behind the scenes. It's so valuable having people willing and eager to look after the littlest ones uh, in creche. Uh, Right now, there are a couple of members of the church who are not here for the sake of the rest of us, uh, so that we can... Um, be in church so the parents can be in church so that we can concentrate on the things that we're doing saying uh, singing and also those who set up the chairs and play the music and everything else that needs to happen on a Sunday and we can certainly be praying for all the other members perhaps you'd like to have a list of who the other members of church are um, which is up to date please ask me if you'd like one but let's do whatever we can to help one another's spiritual growth. Because if we love one another, that's what we'll want, because Jesus loves us. Jesus wants us to have life to the full. And the way that we can have that is as we experience his love as the centrepiece of our lives, by listening to his voice, doing what he commands, and in particular, loving one another. Let me lead us in prayer.